0: Welcome to the Farm Talk podcast. I'm Tanya Morgan and today I'm coming to you from the Kylite Pub. sitting outside in the beer garden and I'm having a chat to Sam Cleman who's a weeds researcher for Plant Science Consulting and we're on the road at the moment doing a bit of a tour for Mallee Research Updates. Welcome Sam, good to have you here.
1: Thanks Tanya, great to be here in a sunny location on the edge of the river.
0: Yeah, couldn't ask for more really. We're going to talk about herbicide resistance today, so let's start off with how do we monitor for resistance?
1: A couple ways we do it. The first approach um, which is taken is there's opportunity for farmers, if they suspect a resistance issue, that they can actually forward and send samples through to one of the commercial resistance testing centres, plant science Consulting being one of those. The second option, which has been undertaken for the last 20 years, is through GRDC commissioned surveys. Now these surveys, in the past have been run on a regional basis and it's been a collaborative effort between organisations, that being the University of Adelaide, uh, Charles Sturt University, ARI, and the University of Western Australia. Now these surveys have been essential to identifying key shifts in where resistance has taken in the past 20 years for teed weed species, ryegrass, bromegrass, grass, wild radish, wild oats. There has been a bit of a change in tack with where this survey, random weed survey work has been and it's headed down a path of more about trying to standardize the sampling testing and reporting. So rather than these individual organisations, all weed, key weed species, it's now gone down a path where nominated species have been sent to the University of Adelaide, that being ryegrass and Indian hedge mustard, other species, wild radish, broome, barley grass, ari, and wild oats and south thistle to uh, Charles St. Now the key for this approach is just trying to standardise that sampling uh, but it also provides a good opportunity to get at a single point in time a, a national snapshot of where resistance stands to these key weed species. But that being said no regions being left out for example ryegrass was sampled across all key states, UASA, Victoria, New South Wales, 1500 sites sampled in 2020 with 1,350 uh, sites or 90% of those with ryegrass found. So these, these surveys are vast in their, their sampling and uh, provide a fantastic snapshot of where resistance potentially stands at this point in time.
0: So why is it so important that we know what the resistance status is?
1: Essentially it just provides uh, growers with val- valuable info on the, the effectiveness of the herbicides they're using on their key target weeds. And it also potentially prevents wasteful use of herbicides that are no longer effective because of our resistance. But it also plays a key role for um, the industry. It aligns where priorities need to, to be focused. And I'll use a great example from survey years ago where in South Australia, annual ryegrass with trifluorin resistance was increasing in prevalence. This is back in the early 2000s. Yet other than the grass-selective herbicides, which were starting to fail, that pre space was uh, a significant void. And essentially because of the the survey work that identified this need for for new pre-emergent herbicides, the herbicide market come to the fore and we saw two key products in Boxer Gold and Secura essentially come to the Australian market. Mm. And in the time since we've obviously seen a lot more new products come to the market. So there's been this big shift in that pre-EM space, which has also been driven by the fact we obviously are seeing significant resistance issues to a lot of our grass selective options now. And so this,
0: chemical companies really do pay attention to these resistance surveys?
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. Like, it's, it's fundament, fundamental to where we're likely to see herbicide failures in the future and where a product fit will, will be. So uh, there's been a big impetus on pre-EM herbicides on the basis that, and I'll just use ryegrass, in this context is that with the last two decades we've seen an escalation in the level of resistance to ryegrass to key post-emergent options so we've essentially lost a lot of our herbicides in many areas to the fops uh, and now we're seeing that loss to the dims and unfortunately with the loss of those key herbicides again the markets had to to uh, step up to the plate and we've seen a release of a whole gamut of new new promotions options essentially that will fill that void hopefully in the near future.
0: I guess for low rainfall Mallee farmers though, a lot of these pre-emergent options come at a greater cost, so the fact that you're losing your your Group A where you're growing a legume to try and get some extra control, it's a bit of a concern. What sort of rates of resistance are you seeing in the Vic and SA Mallee with Group As?
1: Unfortunately it is rising, but it's nowhere near to the extent that we're seeing in the higher to medium rainfall areas. So through testing, a large number of these populations are, in fact, still susceptible, which is a plus. However, there will be individual farms and management practices on those farms where you will see elevated resistance. However, a vast majority, there is a significant level of susceptibility. However, I'd highly recommend that they test if they do have concerns of failures. And
0: maybe consider relying on something other than just a Group A in that phase?
1: Yeah, there's plenty of options available. We shouldn't be eccentric on just herbicides too we should obviously adhere to Ari's big six in terms of how best approach weed management full stop.
0: Farmers that have come to our events over the last couple of days, we've asked them what their big weed issues are. It used to be brome grass. It was always number one on the list, but with um, clear fields in the system, it's less. So now that we've controlled the brome grass with clear field options, it's back to ryegrass again. It's
1: uh, a strange dilemma when I first started doing some work in that brome grass space. Over a decade ago now, Clearfields have been on the market for five years and knowing what that particular mode of action and how, how easily it breaks down in that resistance space, I recall speaking with Chris Preston, we had grave concern with the over-reliance on Innovix that we'd see some significant issues with resistance. However, in the time since, it just hasn't come to fruition. So, frame grass resistance in the main to Innovix still remains largely quite low across the Victorian Mallee, which is a good thing. And likewise, the FOP chemistry, so the Group A selectives are still working quite effectively on brome grass. So some options that we thought would follow suit with ryegrass are still holding the fort, fortunately for brome grass. Particularly the fact that these options are quite cost effective and provide a strong tool. And in that space, the rationale for why we think the resistance has been so slow to evolve in brome essentially comes down to its resistance dynamics and how it does differ considerably to ryegrass. So, brome being a selfing species, resistance doesn't tend to spread as rapidly. You don't have this cross pollination effect that you obviously see with escalating ryegrass resistance. So, there's some positives in that space with brome. And brome also being a ploidy species, it doesn't tend to express the resistance as strongly as that found in, in ryegrass. So, a couple aspects that we think of essentially helped in the sense that it, it just hasn't evolved resistance like we've seen with the ryegrass.
0: Having said that though, you still are seeing the odd Tivix resistance come up? And... Yeah, yeah.
1: through commercial testing unfortunately you'll always get these anomalies and we have had a few populations over the last few years that, that have certainly been resistant to Tivix. We're not entirely sure what uh, the mechanism is, we think that it's most likely a target site mutation. And that being target site mutation, that being said, can confer very strong resistance. So when we do see resistance to Inovix, it's generally extremely strong where not only the recommended field rate is ineffective, but normally twofold or stronger will have very limited activity. But like I said, the fortunate aspect is that Inovix resistance still remains quite, quite low at this point in time.
0: Were you also talking about Metribuzin resistance?
1: Yeah, we do get some unusual cases come in every now and then, and this was certainly one. There'd been no reported Group C resistance, or now Group 5 resistance, identified in bromegrass until this population reared its head. It was a, a population that found its way from Geraldton, Western Australia, historically a typical sort of wheat lupin, thrown in with a bit of triazine-tolerant canola so heavy reliance on the group C's particularly metribuzin and invariably it's soon selected for our first strongly metribuzin resistant grass. but i think these sorts of populations are going to be extensively quite rare which is which is a good thing but but not impossible. So if you do see sorts of failures, this is where testing can be be highly valuable.
0: Let's jump back to ryegrass for a minute and glyphosate resistance. Where are we at with that?
1: Yeah, unfortunately in that space, we've had a long period of selection pressure now with glyphosate. Glyphosate's been on the market for over, around that 40 year mark. So four decades of consistent selection pressure. And invariably, I suppose the upside with ryegrass, the genes that are responsible Occur less frequently in nature so we haven't even though it's been used on ryegrass for a long time those resistance genes are much much rare so it's taken a long time to be able to pick them out but we've essentially got there now where we are seeing an exponential rise in the number of ryegrass populations conferring resistance whereby in the 2020 period we had more than 80 tests from new south wales come in for glyphosate testing samples come in and of those we had equivalent level of odd percent glyphosate. So it certainly is on the march. It is a major concern given the super importance of glyphosate weed management programs. So it's certainly going to be a challenge going forth as resistance is expected to rise.
0: Are you seeing any resistance to Paraquat?
1: Fortunately, no. Well, very little to this point in time. That being said, we had our first broadacre cases come in back in the 2020 season historically paraquat resistance has been mainly played out in horticulture and viticulture where they've had a much stronger history of paraquat and the selection pressure in those systems however i think as we grapple with this increasing level of glyphosate resistance and we shift our scope towards paraquat and its use invariably we're going to see more populations but at this point in time paraquat resistance in ryegrass still remains quite low
0: Generally, farmers are doing a pretty good job of the message about herbicide resistance. Do you think? Is th- it slowing down the rate of resistance or not?
1: I think that the advice that's been put out there for a number of years now, I think it's certainly been valuable, and I think growers are much, much more aware of what they need to do to avoid heading in the direction of resistance. So I think there's a strong emphasis now on mixing, rotating and integrating wherever they can any practice possible to prevent resistance survivors setting seed and causing further issues down the track site. So I think the broadacre community is quite well versed now in resistance and the resistance issues and how best to challenge them. I think the biggest issue probably going forth now is with all these new products on the market, how do we actually implement them in that space and make them work best and avoid resistance issues going forth. In the main, I think guys, We've got a pretty good understanding of where things are heading. Unfortunately, though, sometimes economics dictate and the cost of one product over over another. So there is also this mentality of uh, use it until you lose it. But I think in the main, a lot of guys appreciate the need to to make things work. Don't allow that resistant weed to set seed and, and create further problems.
0: Thanks very much for joining us today, Sam. It's been a really good overview of, of where things are sitting out with some of those key weeds in our region and. Yeah, we'll keep people updated when new stuff comes out along the way. Thanks again.
1: Thanks very much, Tanya.
0: And it's definitely five o'clock. There's lots of people turning up to the beer garden, so we might leave it there. This program was supported by Western LLS with funding from the New South Wales Government's Environmental Trust. Thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more, like and subscribe to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. Catch you later.